Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. In one of his prophecies, to Israel says of the anointing, the anointing destroys the yoke. The yoke signifying bondage. You know, Paul said in one of his epistles that sin is a makes you a slave. I'm paraphrasing now, but he said, I'm, I'm not going to be brought under the bondage of anything because I'm on a, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It is the will of God that anything that we are in bondage to be destroyed. Now, through the years, we've seen people have that yoke broken but not destroyed. The Bible doesn't say the anointing breaks the yoke. It destroys the yoke. Something that is destroyed cannot come back on you. And we need that anointing to come this morning and destroy the yoke. In, in the book of Acts, the sixth chapter, there was uh, the, the, first little, the first little ripple of some discontentment and division in the early church surfaced, and there were some widows who felt like they were being neglected. As you will remember in Acts, all of the people sold their properties and lands, and they, they, uh, they put everything together, and then, then the people lived out of that. I don't know exactly how that worked, but there were some people who felt like they were getting neglected, kind of like what's going on in our world today, right? Anyway, the apostles said, pick out seven men full of the Holy Ghost, men that have a good report, and we're going to turn this over to them. We're going to let them be in charge of this, serving tables and whatever they would be required to do. But he said, we will give ourselves to ministry, to the Word of God, and to prayer. We'll give ourselves to the Word of God in prayer. And there are a lot of responsibilities that come with being a pastor, but none can be more important than prayer and the Word of God. Whatever I may do or not do in the week is not as important as what I do when I come here on Sunday morning. And uh, I always covet your prayers that the Lord will always lead us and direct us. Now, <clears throat> this morning, I, uh, I plan to challenge you a little bit. I'm going to make you think. This is my prayer. And somebody made me think through a sermon I heard Mark Morgan preach from California. And he put the wheels in motion. This happened a while back. And I just have not been able to get away from this. And so I'm going to try to make you think. Now, ultimately, my assignment today is to bring hope to you. Anybody that may feel bound uh, by whatever it may be, some habit you can't break, maybe some depression, maybe something, I don't know what it may be, unbelief, worry, a lack of faith. Why don't you join with me right now and let's bind together and let's believe that God will destroy. The anointing will come this morning and destroy any yoke 
Now, I have a tambourine this morning. This is Sister Mitra's tambourine, and she told me it was brand new, and she wanted me to break it in. So I didn't know I would need to break in Sister Mitra's tambourine. Did you? That's a timbrel in the Bible. It's called, in the King James, it's called a timbrel, and it's called a tabret. Same word for timbrel and tabret. I don't know if I'll even get to that today. I just want to speak to you until I feel a release from the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to read a text from, eight, from the 8th chapter of Luke. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the Gospels tell the story of the man who was possessed with devils and uh, the name of these devils. When the Lord asked their name, the name was Legion. So y'all are all familiar with this, right? By the way, I'm so happy to have Michael Avant with us and their boy London, Sister Michael and Jason. Jason's out. Is he going to Africa yet? Or he's he's going to Malawi. And she came home. I don't blame her, do you? <laughs> Praise God. But uh, brother Jason will forever be changed by this trip, I know. We're delighted to have him. All right, Luke chapter eight and verse number twenty-seven is where we begin reading this very familiar passage, and I would ask you to just give me a little time to expound, and just because you know this story and have heard it preached about a thousand times, don't turn me off, all right? Thank you. I got two amens, so I'm doing well. I'm headed in the right direction. When he had went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had Devils, long time, somebody say long time, wear no clothes, he was naked, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, in one of the other Gospels, the Bible said when he saw him, he, f he ran and worshipped him. You know, James said, if you believe in one God, you do well. The devils believe also and tremble. These demons knew who Jesus was. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep, and there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. They went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed 
sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means that he was possessed of the he that was possessed of the devils was healed, and the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. You would think these people would be rejoicing. You'd think they'd be thrilled to death. One of the gospel writers said nobody would even go by where this man lived in the tombs. No man went past there. They just skipped that place. And you you would think, wouldn't you, that the whole community would have rejoiced. Josephus says that in A.D. 66, there was a rebel uprising against the Roman government at Gadara, where, where this took place, and the Romans came, and I don't have the exact wording before me, but Josephus said they considered age as nothing. They killed the young and the old alike. They slew the young men, he said. They set the city on fire, even the villas round about, and it became a wasteland because they asked Jesus to leave, maybe. He said to Jerusalem, I came... I would have gathered you. You didn't want me. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So Gadara said, we don't want this in our community. They were afraid of what happened. Even though the man was excited and he wanted to go with Jesus. He wanted to become a disciple, no doubt, and travel with him as the other disciples did. And Jesus said, you need to go home and tell everybody what's happened to you. Bring hope to somebody. I said recently in a Sunday morning message, there are two extremes on the subject of spiritual authority. Now, one of the extremes is to deny the devil, to deny any or any evil spirit, to deny the existence of the devil, I would say, is to deny the Bible because obviously his existence is not questioned in the Bible. In fact, we are told exactly why he was cast down from heaven when pride entered into him. In the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ as recorded by John the Revelator, he tells us in the end of the book that Satan this accuser of the brethren who Jesus said came to steal, kill, and destroy, he is cast into the bottomless pit by an angel. He is bound up and cast into the bottomless pit. Won't that be a great day? The evil, the hatred, the animosity, the bitterness that we see happening it's not a new thing. It, it just surfaces in America again the last few weeks, and it breaks your heart to see what's happening. They estimate maybe 60 million people will be in a Christian church this morning in America, and yet the news media will be focused on a handful of people. But that's, that's the trick of the devil. Anyway, and this is not a political message here, 
this morning. But that is one of the extremes. It's just deny. Human nature is foul. It's wicked. It's evil. Jeremiah said the heart is desperately wicked. You and I have problems understanding how some of these people can do what they're doing. And when you get into the extreme, radical, terroristic things that are happening and happened this week in Spain, you know, where people are killed and hurt and run over, in our minds, we can't comprehend that, can we? I'm like, how can anybody do that? There is another extreme, and that's to blame the devil for everything. You know, some people deny it, and some people just blame him for everything. You didn't get your parking lot at Walmart near the door. Well, that's the devil's fault. And uh, sometimes that's a cop-out. For bad choices we make, I have nothing to say about Walmart in this. I'm just talking about other things that happen in our life. We blame on the devil. We made bad choices. We disobeyed Scripture. God rewards the obedient. It's very plain in the Bible. So you can, you can live in either extreme. You can live on the extreme that everything's the devil's fault, and you can live on the extreme that nothing is the devil's fault. And what we have to do is go to the Scripture and look at the pattern in the Scripture. In the Garden of Eden, when man sinned and disobeyed God, God had given man authority over all the creatures. And when Eve Partook of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's very clear in the book of Genesis that Adam was there. God had given Adam dominion over all the beasts of the field. For whatever reason, he tolerated the serpent being there. Why he didn't stop his wife? Why, why man didn't speak up and say something? We will never know. I don't suppose until perhaps God will reveal it to us. But he gave something to the devil. When the devil took Jesus after his baptism into the wilderness, he offered him the kingdoms of the world. You'll bow down and worship me. All of these kingdoms I will give you. Now you can say he didn't have the kingdoms. He did. He took it. When he led Adam and Eve into rebellion and their sin against God, he took it. Now, Paul explains that Jesus was the second Adam. He came to seek and save that which was lost, not that which is lost. If it was just that which is lost, it would be referring to people. But he came back to get something that was lost. Came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus did not succumb to the temptations of the devil. Aren't you happy about that? And when he aligned himself up to the will of God, you see, Jesus said one time, I only do what I see my Father do. Everything I do, I got from the Father. He was in complete submission. The man Christ Jesus was in complete submission to God, to the Father. When you, when you align yourself and you come under submission to the will of God that's contained and found in the 66 books of your Bible. When you do that, you align yourself with God. You are given an authority. It, it is, it's interesting to me that Jesus said to the Pharisees when they were questioning him, he said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, 
The kingdom of God is coming to you. Jesus connected his ability to cast out devils with the kingdom. Now, a kingdom speaks of a king. And a kingdom speaks of authority, right? Somebody's on the throne in a kingdom. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. Cannot have a kingdom without a king. This is what the whole deal in the wilderness was about. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give all of this to you. It's always been a battle about who's going to sit on the throne of my life and your life. But when we line ourselves up to the Bible, to the Word of God and the will of God, we are given an authority. Jesus said, and I don't even know if I could explain this to you. He said, because they accused him of casting out devils. By the, by the spirit of the devil. They said he cast out devils by the spirit of Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. And he said, if I'm casting out devils by Beelzebub, how are your sons doing what they're doing? But if, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means. Jesus never had an argument with a devil. When he came out of the wilderness... After 40 days of fasting, he had so completely submitted himself to the will of God. When he went into the Sabbath, it was a new day. This was not the first time Jesus had taught. They handed him the book. This was a custom. The Bible said, as was his custom, they handed him the word of God. And when he got up, and began to read from Isaiah. How many of you know what happened? All of a sudden, a man who was possessed of the devil manifested himself. Because now Jesus is in complete submission. And he has aligned himself up to the will of God. And nothing ever detoured him. Nothing ever stopped him. So anytime he encountered someone possessed of the devils, he commanded them to come out. There was no arguing. There was no, I, I don't know what all might have happened. I don't know. Jesus implied some devils are bigger than other devils. They're tougher than ever devils. Other devils, he said, this kind goeth out by nothing but fasting and prayer. So there's the implication. There were some demons, some evil spirits that took a little more preparation. Amen. Just because you call the name of Jesus doesn't frighten the devil. I will tell you what frightens the devil. It's when you're in alignment with the Word of God. It's when you're in submission to the Word of God. The seven sons of Sceva in Acts, what is it, 19? They tried that. We adjure thee by the God that Paul preaches and by Jesus and the devil said we know Paul and we know Jesus but we don't know you and they jumped on them and gave them a whipping pulled all their clothes off that's one thing the devil does with people he gets them to take their clothes off no the man I read to you in the text was when the devils left him he put on clothes. All these people taking their clothes off and going to Walmart. 
Somebody's going to sit on the throne. Who's going to be on the throne? The way you know who's on the throne is whether or not your life lines up in obedience to what the king is saying. Jesus had a lot to say, didn't he, about the kingdom of God. He said, if I cast out devils, and this is, this is the first thing that happened in his ministry. It's the first thing that showed up is he began to cast out devils. And we may not see a lot of that in, in America today, and I don't know if that's just because the devil's not manifesting himself. Obviously, there's a lot of work going on in our nation by the devil. I think you all are listening, right? I think you're listening to me. I, I want you to listen to me. I didn't drink any energy drinks or anything before I preached this morning, so you're in pretty good shape. I heard a preacher say the other day, he said, I drank five energy drinks before I came to preach. So, I've <laughs> never tried that. Maybe I need to try it sometime when you're sitting down on me. It might, or maybe I ought to give you an energy drink when you come in the door. That might be a better idea. It's very obvious in the scripture. This man had been possessed, the Bible said, a long time. A long time. How and when. He became entangled and possessed of these evil spirits. I do not know. You see what happens when you come under submission to God. Hear me now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to make you think today. There were no devils cast out in the Old Testament. Now, I may be wrong. I've asked four or five people this week to prove me wrong. I cannot find any record of a devil being cast out in the Old Testament. But as soon as you go into the New Testament... That's the first thing you encounter in the ministry of Jesus. And when he, when he left this earth, he said to his disciples, he said to his disciples, he that believeth on me, when he said, these signs shall follow them that believe, the first thing he addressed was casting out devils. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? In the Old Testament, there are evil spirits. Do a word search. There are evil spirits. One evil spirit was sent from God to torment Saul. But there are many other references to evil spirits. In the Old Testament, it is much like what happens in many of the nations in the world today where they worship idols because they open themselves up to these evil spirits. And this is what happened in the Old Testament when they would go into idolatry. In other words, they put another king on the throne. And when you, when you put another king on the throne, you open yourself up to demonic activity. Amen? You open yourself up to that. And one of the most interesting things is Mark said in his gospel about this man who had a legion of devils in him, he says, no man could tame him. Now, that's a strange way of putting this because, I mean, I would think you tame a wild animal, not a person. No man could tame him. There's only one other time this word tame is found in the New Testament in the King James Version. Does anybody know what it's in reference to? 
and the tongue, he said, which no man can tame. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Nobody could tame this man. He lived among the dead. He, they, they'd bind him up and he would break the bounds. The fetters, he would just tear them asunder. And he would go through the wilderness screeching and crying until Jesus came. You see, Jesus came to take back what Adam and Eve gave away. He came back to establish his kingdom on the earth. He lined himself up with the Father. He came into complete submission to the will of God. And when he did, and he was driven by the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He went through that temptation, and when he came out, the gospel writer said he came out full of the Spirit and power. You know, we want to think that we become full of the Spirit and power because perhaps we speak in tongues or pray a lot. It's not Scripture. It's not Scripture. He came out of the wilderness because he submitted himself to God. And when you submit yourself to God and you line yourself up to the principles of the Word of God, you have authority that you don't have anywhere else. And I would say this to anybody, anywhere. If there are things in your life that you're not able to control, Maybe it's a temper problem. Maybe it's a tongue problem. Before you go try to casting out devils or trying to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, my advice to you would be to go to the wilderness and line yourself up to the will of God and do not make excuses for your flesh or for whatever genes you may have inherited from your mom and dad. Quit blaming your failure to control your temper on your daddy and your mama. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been regenerated. You've been regened. Go out into that wilderness through fasting and prayer and come back in submitted to the will of God. And when you line yourself up to the will of God and you make sure He's on the throne, when He's on the throne, you have nothing to fear from the devil or this world. You confess your sins. You get everything under the blood. You leave it there. You put it there. And you line yourself up to the Word of God. And you be like Jesus. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And when you get past that, and you get your human reasonings into your thought process, and you say, well, I don't know about this, and I don't know about that, and I feel this way, and this is the way I feel, and you, you deviate from the Word of God. That's what's happening in our world today. It's happening in America today. I'd be in favor of lining back up with the Word. Whether it fits our culture or not, let's get in line with the Word of God. Whether it fits our culture or not, because we need to walk in authority. I want to see that anointing that destroys the yoke. You see, when, uh, when uh, Jesus came, it's a new day now. 
No devils may have been cast out in the Old Testament. Maybe they were, but we don't know about it. But when Jesus came out of the wilderness, full of the power and the Spirit, I, I, I mean, they knew him immediately. Let me, let me tell you, let me just tell you, when God filled us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was his intention that we do greater works than he did. And I'm going to tell you where we get lost. It's, it's in our own inability to submit ourselves to the Word of God and to the will of God. I want to submit myself to the will of God. Whatever the Father tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to tame my tongue. Power of life and death is in my tongue. The power of life is in my tongue. The power of death is in my tongue. You see, when you come under submission and obedience to the word of the Lord, are you ready for this? You get a covering. Just go home and do, the, do, do you a little word search in your computer program. Just type in the word covering or covered. You're going to find it's not a new word. It started all the way back in the Bible. It's the first mention of the word is where God came and visited Adam. Adam, where are you? Was, you know, suddenly when they ate the fruit, the Bible said Adam's, suddenly their eyes were open. You know, they were naked under this time. They needed no covering. The reason they needed no covering is because they were in alignment with the will of God. They were subject to God and His will. When their eyes were opened, and suddenly the Bible said they were naked and they were ashamed. Why were they not naked and ashamed before? Because they were living in obedience to the Word of God. Now, now that they're naked, God comes down. You know, they made a feeble attempt at covering themselves. They got a fig leaf. Now, how long was that going to last? Throw that in the washer one time. And God came down and slew an animal. It was the first type of what he would do to give a covering to cover the sins of man, wasn't it? He slew an animal and blood was shed and he covered them with that covering. They needed that. Now all of a sudden they're ashamed. Their first son becomes a murderer. He becomes a murderer because they have now given the kingdom back or given it over to Satan. Aren't you glad Jesus came to get that kingdom back? And let me tell you, when we don't walk in victory... When we don't walk the way God, we get out of alignment with the will of God. I don't care what's happening anywhere, what's going on in anybody else's life. As for me and my house, I want to line up to the word of God. I want to get in line with that word. Let me make you think this morning, all right? Let me make you think. That covering becomes a very important thing. When God... When, when God gave instructions to Moses in the wilderness on this covering thing, all right, uh, or the tabernacle. The reason he put a tent of badger skins. Are you listening to me? Is this okay? Am I boring you? I think I'm boring some of you. Am I boring you? The reason he put a, a tent, it was a veil of covering. He put it over the tabernacle. He put it over the Shekinah glory. Because if a man had gone in there without a covering, he would have died. There's a place in there where Aaron's sons said, maybe God isn't as strict as we thought he was. And they went in there with strange fire, and God killed them. They died in the holy place, in the holiest of holies. And they drug them out, and they buried them. 
When you, when you get out of a line with the will of God and the word of God, you put yourself in a dangerous place. There's a lot of immorality in our world. Boy, this is good Sunday morning stuff here. I might need that energy drink before I get through. I'm going to get to the tambourine maybe in a minute, so hold on, all right? Just hold on. I'll shake that tambourine in a minute. <laughs> I think I will. When they, when, when, when they moved the Ark of the Covenant, see, God wouldn't let anybody look on that Ark. If they look on that Ark, he said, you're going to die. If you touch it, you'll die. Use a found out. Because David violated a scriptural command. He, he didn't take, move that ark like God told him to move it. When, when he went and got the ark, he left the tent over there. God told Moses in Exodus, when you move the ark, you take the tent. And with that tent, you cover the ark of the covenant. And they were, they were to cover all of the vessels in the tabernacle. In fact, God said, anything that's not covered is considered unclean. Now these are all shadows and they are types of things that were to come in the New Testament. You see, when you, when you submit yourself to the authority of God, you give yourself a covering, a protection. I'm made lower than the angel. The devil was an angel. He was an archangel. I don't compete with him by myself. I don't compete with him in my own ingenuity. You want to know what happens to a man when he's left to his own devices? Look at the man from Gadara. Look at a man who's possessed, who's naked, who's shrieking, and he's crying in the tombs. How many of you are glad that Jesus came so that he could take back what that first Adam gave? First Adam gave it away. And Paul said, this next Adam came from heaven, and he came to get it back. And the way he got it back was he went out into the wilderness. I'm trying to drive this point home. And he aligned himself up with the will of God. And when temptation came, he said, no. This has always been a battle about who's going to get to worship. Because whoever's on the throne in your life, that's who you're going to worship. It's probably not a man it's not a king, but it could be any number of things. It could be a, an addiction in your life. It could, be, it could be an attitude that you've refused to surrender to the will of God. It, it could be pride. It could be greed. It could be any number of things. It could be a lot of things. Who's going to sit on the throne? Whoever's on the throne is the one who's getting your worship. It's not necessarily who you're clapping to. God looks on the heart. You can get up here and shout and sing and praise God, but if you're not lined up to the will of the Lord, you have no authority to drive the devil out of your life and the evil influence of Satan out of your life. Somebody shout amen out there. James 4 and 7, James said, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, we like to use the last part of that verse about the devil fleeing, but that's not nearly all of that verse. The first part of that verse was you submit to God. You, how do I submit to God? I submit to God by finding out what pleases the Lord. This is the Constitution right here. Amen? That governs the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if I cast out devils, you know the kingdom is coming to you. <laughs> 
and I'll cast them out. I'll cast them out by the finger of God. He never feared a devil, did he? He never feared demon, feared demon possession. He didn't wrestle with them, argue with them. He just commanded them to come out. Where did he get that power? We know where he got it. He was submitted to the Lord. He was submitted to his Father. Somebody shout amen right now. So if you're having problems with a devil in your life, maybe you don't need to look at the devil problem. Perhaps you need to look at the submission problem. Now I'm going to make you think here because this is going to get a little ticky, all right? So if you're going to move, in, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, there were some seraphims there, or we might call them cherubims. And they had three sets of wings, right? And one set of those wings was for flying. The other sets of those wings were for covering. With twain, the King James says, they covered their eyes, their face. With twain, they covered their feet. It's a, it's, it's a submission issue. It's like, I can't look on God, I'll die. And they covered their feet. They considered where they were as holy ground. It was a covering. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, when they... When they built the mercy seat, attached to the mercy seat, God said, build these cherubims, and their wings extended out over the mercy seat. And the Bible is very plain about why those wings were there. It was a covering. Oh, my Lord. So these seraphims had three sets of wings, and with two of those wings, they flew. But with the other two sets of wings, they covered themselves. This is all shadows of things to come. It's a, it's a semblance, a shadow, a type of all of us and our need to be under submission to the word and will of God. Glory to God. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, don't get nervous, Paul begins to address the subject of submission in relation to authority, all right? So he said, you got God, and then there's Jesus, and then there's a man, and then there's his wife. Well, bless God, I'll, you know, that's, that's old stuff that don't fit in our culture. Well, you go ahead and make that decision. I think I'll get a drink of water. There's no energy drink in this water right here. Because when you like, this is where we get our authority. Now look, look at what Paul said. We think it's just a cultural thing. And I've, I've had people tell me the reason that he did this teaching on hair was because there was a temple there to the goddess Diana. And the prostitutes there shaved their head. And Paul was saying, don't be like, that's because people live in ignorance. That temple had been destroyed 30 years before Paul went to Corinth. Look at the word he uses. He said of a woman's long hair. It is given to her for a covering. It was a symbol of submission to the authority of God, Jesus, man, and down the line. Did you ever notice what he says in this verse when he talks about this? He says, for this cause shall a woman have power on her head. Now you can be a Rapunzel if you want to. 
But if you don't have the other things right in your life, don't go bragging about what you're doing. If you got a nasty spirit, and if you can sit in the kitchen and uh, sit in the living room and lick the skillet in the kitchen with your tongue and tear down people with your tongue, don't go bragging about something that we can see because there's things we can't see. But this is a covering, and it's an issue that God designed to give us authority, he said, for this cause. What angels was he talking about? He's talking about those angels we just read about. They shall have authority. They have power on their head. And they were flying with two wings, and with the other wings they covered themselves. They lined themselves up to the will of God. Now, why are you preaching all this here this morning, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching all that I'm preaching to you today because I want the kingdom of God to be manifest in our life. When Paul came years later and wrote to the Corinthian church, he said the kingdom of God is not in word. It is in power. I see way too many people who live in defeat and who live without victory in their life. This is not the will of God. This is not the will of God for any of us to worry and to fret. It's the will of God for us to line ourselves up with the principle of the Word of God and suddenly we understand I have authority because I'm doing what the Father showed me to do. I'm pleasing the Father. Amen? I'm pleasing the Father. And when you line yourself up to the will of God. Let me tell you what. You have authority over the devil. He gave us that authority. He gave us that authority. We're not here this morning to cast out devils. I told you in the beginning. We're here to see the Lord destroy yokes. Now if there was a devil here, I'm confident that through the name of Jesus, by lining ourselves up and submitting to God, we can free you of whatever devil may be residing in your body. And let me tell you what happened when Jesus stepped out on the island of the Gadarenes. The devil tried to stop him on the way over there because they were in a boat and there was a raging storm that came on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus had stepped up to the bow of the boat, didn't he? And he said, peace, be still. The Bible said he rebuked the wind, the same word that was used in other places where he rebuked the devil and silenced the devil. He silenced the wind. There's no more roaring of the waves. The sea became calm and when the devil couldn't stop him. And let me tell you, that man who had a legion of devils, I will tell you how powerful the human spirit is. If you want deliverance today, you can get deliverance. Because when Jesus stepped on the shore, the Bible said that man with a legion of devils ran and worshipped him. Now I, can, I can probably promise you that every step of the way, every demon was screaming at that man saying, turn around, go back. This is my house. He's come to torment us before our time. But if you want it bad enough, you can get it today. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Somebody said, if it's mine, I want it. If it's mine, I claim it. 
There's not an enemy, not a devil, not a spirit of unbelief, not an evil spirit on the planet that can stop me. I'm going to get what I've got coming to me today and no devil in hell is going to keep me from getting my deliverance, my healing, my peace, my joy. Clap your hands and shout to him if you believe what I'm preaching right now. One of the reasons that I love apostolic worship is the song we said a while ago. I'm diving in. I'm not ashamed of this. You see, in the beginning, in Ezekiel chapter 28 and 13, in this reference to Lucifer, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone. Maybe, maybe you could get this and put it on the screen. I, I, think, I don't think I gave it to uh, the media people. But it's Ezekiel 28 and 13. You've been in the garden of God. You've been in Eden. He was in the presence of the Lord. Every precious stone was thy covering. Somebody shout covering. Because he couldn't be in the presence of God without a covering. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. That's my covering today. Amen. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And then he names all these stones. He, he, he talks about the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in the day thou wast created. The word tabril, uh, the word tabret there is literally, look it up in your other translations, it's just a tambourine. It gives me the idea that every time, every time Lucifer moved in the presence of God, that pipes there is referring to musical instruments. So everywhere the devil went, everywhere Lucifer went before he came the devil, you could hear the tinkling. You could hear the sound of, of the tabret. You could hear the sound of the tambourine. Your noise is not going to bother God. Your little noise, your man ain't going to bother God. It looks to me like he kind of liked it. Amen. You know the psalmist said two times in the book of Psalm 149 and 150, praise him with a timbrel and with a dance. So the Jewish people had tambourines. And it was the ladies usually who used the tambourines. We got Sister Mitra in our church. The Jewish people had tambourines. Maybe they got a picture of one up there. And they would put streamers on the tambourines. They would put streamers on the tambourines and they would dance before the Lord. They would stream. This is what happened in the Old Testament after 400 plus years of bondage. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? They went through the Red Sea and they watched Pharaoh drown and all of his chariots washing up on the shore. And the Bible says that Miriam got a tambourine which was in the beginning the devil's instrument. From the day he was created, God put a tambourine in his hand. And everywhere he walked, he jingled. And the devil came and stole that away from man. He stole his praise. He stole his worship. But when they watched them, and oh, here's a beautiful thing. 
baptism in the New Testament, Paul said, you were all baptized into the cloud and into the sea. That's a type. When they walked across that Red Sea, somebody shout amen. When they came out of that Red Sea and they walked up on the shore and they turned around and they watched their bondage and they watched their, their bondage people go down in the water and they watch Pharaoh drown and they watch their past washed away. They're, they're hallelujah, they're free now. They're free now. They're not afraid. They're not worried. They should got a tambourine. I got a feeling the Lord probably called the devil over and say, hey devil, I gave it to you first, but I want you to take a good look at these people now that's come out of your bondage after 400 years. They're free again. Hallelujah. I want you to come and take a look at Miriam and the women. Can you see them as they got that tambourine going and they're worshiping God? Hallelujah. They're free, they're free, they're free, they're free. This is the will of God for all of us. Line yourself up to the will of God. Submit yourself to the will of God. That's why every baptism here is a celebration, praise God. Somebody's looking back at the old life and saying drugs, addiction, my past, my sin, my failure, they're gone now. Pick up your tambourine. I wish everybody in the house had a tambourine right now. I wish every lady had a tambourine with streamers on it. And you start praising. David said, praise him with a timbrel and with a dance. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Somebody, let's everybody stand and clap our hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Have you been to the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus? Then get your tambourine out. I don't know what kind of dance they did, but they danced before the Lord and they played on the tambourine. Can you see those women and the streamers going through the air as they danced on the sea, on the shores of the Red Sea and they watched their past going under the water? My God, that ought to excite you. My God, that ought to make you happy. That ought to make you want to clap your hands. We got a new king now sitting on the throne. Everybody clap your hands and shout to him right now. Come on, let's give the Lord some uproarious praise. I'll play your tambourine for you. I'll shake your timbrel for you. The devil used to have it. He tried to steal my music, but he didn't get it. I kept my tambourine, hallelujah. I got a covering today. All you apostolic ladies ought to be saying, I got power on my head. No fear. Now the purpose of this message today is help you get, whoo, I got some ladies coming down here shouting, you want a tambourine? Yeah, you need a tambourine. Here's our Miriam. Shake that thing. Oh, you ought to be able to shake it louder than that. Can you do a little Miriam dance? There you go. Oh, we ought to clap our hands again. This is, this is lining ourselves up with the Word and the will of God. The song said, I'm diving in. I'm redeemed, the old song said, by love divine. 
Glory, glory, Christ is mine. The purpose of this message today is not to just get you excited. It's to help us walk in victory. It's to destroy the yoke. Some of you have the yoke of fear and you're worrying all the time. I'm preaching to people who worry about getting cancer and they worry about, that's not the will of God. That's the trick of the devil to put anxiety in your life. My steps are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. All I got to do is line myself up and I have authority. And Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. How about it, Pentecostals? Why don't we loose a little Holy Ghost in here today? Why don't somebody else pick up your tambourine, just clap your hands and say, let's loose the power of God in the house. Somebody made it freedom. Woo! Glory to God. Father, I'm praying right now. I don't know the hearts of these people. I don't know the hearts of these men and women. I don't know. But you know, oh God. You know who needed this today. I try to follow the Holy Ghost. I try to follow the, whatever the Father wants and speak what you want me to speak. Somebody needed what I'm saying this morning. Somebody needed what I'm preaching this morning. Somebody needed it. So now we got to receive it, Father, and I want you to help every one of us to learn how to live in submission to God. Nothing's going to hold me back. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, if you need saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Let's fill the front of this house up today. We're going to pray before we go home. We're going to pray before we go home. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're going to pray before we go home today. Amen. 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 Somebody call on the name. If you're living right, if you've lined up to His will, call the name of Jesus. Rebuke worry. Rebuke doubt. Rebuke unbelief. Rebuke fear. Amen. We got some ladies praying. I need some prayer partners up here. I need somebody to come and help us right now. The Holy Ghost is speaking, working, and moving. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Pray.